Welcome to the Clone Saga Chronicles uh, 2.0 feed for, from SpideyDude.com. If you're listening to one of these older episodes, you'll hear references to our Podomatic website and a voicemail number, which is now defunct. So if you're a new listener who just found this uh, podcast, pay no mind to the links that we give out, like CloneSagaChronicles.Podomatic.com or a voicemail number. Enjoy this classic episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see, I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero, the Scarlet Spider it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. Yeah. Welcome back, Cloneheads, to the very special edition of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. This particular episode, Bertoni is um, off doing Amazing Spider-Man classics, so uh, just filling in for this particular episode is kind of sort of filling in, is Kevin Cushing, who uh, if you you will remember his lovely Kentuckian voice on a voicemail <laughs> he left for us, and he's a longtime fan of the show, he's a really good friend of mine from the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, We've, him and I were the... Uh, part of the trio of, of, of the founding fathers of that show and really all around good guy he's reason why he's on the show some people are like why are you having kevin on the show <laughs> well um if you've not read his webcomic spider-man crawl space go do it now uh it's a, it's a really enjoyable jot if you're a, a guy that really misses the marriage and misses the, the, mary jane being an integral part of spider-man's life uh it's definitely a, a, a worth a look but moreover in issue 12, spoiler alert, he does something that no writer has dared ever do, and that's bring back Ben Riley. They'll bring back Kane, but they won't bring back Ben Riley. So, <laughs> um, and he actually brought him back at the end of 11, and the issue 12 is is the debut of, of a whole new Ben Riley. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Um, it's great to have you on, man. We, we little side story, right quick. You were actually approached to do the show originally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I forgot about that. And uh, we, we approached him to do the show, and he's like, I'll politely decline. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Actually, I was worse than that. At first, I agreed. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I think I, I finally read through enough of the Clone Saga that I thought, you know, there's some great stuff in here, but I don't think I want to have to reread all of this right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh God! And, and you know, in in the chronological listening, we're you know maximum clonage part. You know, uh, part two should be coming out pretty soon. But uh, yeah. by the time this show is released, it'll be already be out, and hopefully, uh, I'm pretty sure that Society 
the B side will be out too. But damn. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and you got a couple, of, you got a Exile is really a forgettable story, which is the story immediately following Maximum Clonage. And then you've got uh, Time Bomb and Greatest Responsibility. Time Bomb is time garbage. And Greatest <laughs> Responsibility is filled with some good moments, but some bad moments too. I never uh, even read Time Bomb, actually. When I, when I did my. Uh... Clone Saga read through the the goal was to get the Ben Riley and Kane characters down for crawl space. So I kind of I looked at Time Bomb said, "Dear God, that looks terrible," and I don't think I'm going to read it. So I skipped Time, it. You know, it, Time Bomb was kind of a pointless story. It was really story filler. When you look at it, the way they ended Time Bomb, and you, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, yeah, I knew what it was about too, and I'm thinking, well, I know Peter's not the clone, so. Who gives a rat's ass? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I mean, th- that that part of, of the whole thing is just a giant headache. Uh, <laughs> I to explain all of that. Of, of you know, If he's not the clone, then why did he have that implant? Oh, it's god, god-awful. Um, There's some stuff I'm never going to touch in Crawl Space, folks. <laughs> yeah. Just, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Michael Bailey. Give us your superhero origin story concerning the Clone Saga. Oh, uh, well, the Clone Saga was actually my first Spider-Man comics. Uh, the Revelations arc mm-hmm. was the first Spider-Man comics that uh, my mom bought for me after having seen the uh, the Spider-Man animated series on Fox, and I loved it. You know, it's uh, the Clone Saga might have been the most mired in continuity story of all freaking time, <laughs> uh, and yet as a kid, I just I just dove into it. I didn't know who this Ben Riley was to start out with, but it seemed pretty obvious they were kind of like brothers. It was a cool relationship. I enjoyed it. Uh, and, you know, it had that big finish with Norman Osborn coming back, who I didn't really know was dead to begin with, but it was cool. Um, that, yeah, yeah, it was great. So uh, that was kind of my, my Clone Saga origin. And over time, you know, I, I hadn't really gone back to it much uh, until <laughs> meeting you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because there, for a long time, we were like the few and the proud. Mm-hmm. The, the Clone Saga fans on the internet because um, well the few yeah not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily the proud um, but the the biggest issue when 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 we were in the infancy of the internet back when Spidey.com was first being launched and everything back when it was still being hosted by a free web service tells you how long ago that was <laughs> um, we were one. We were the only website that was doing Ben Riley scans and Ben Riley uh, pictures and Ben Riley wallpapers and stuff like that. We were the only website. So, um, you know, eventually we carved out the niche. The biggest, the biggest contributor to, to keeping Spidey.com alive was 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 Brad. And uh, I have a staff now, although it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> um, but I do have a staff. We are kind of dibble dabbing, working on stuff. But, but you know. Like you, Kevin, I was I was a child of the Clone Saga, so that was that was my spy. My, that's my Spider Man. Kind of like this is a bad reference, but to Joe Casada, his Spider Man's the late '60s, early '70s. Yeah, Peter Parker, and and my Peter Parker was Ben Riley. Ben Riley, <laughs> well, and Ben Riley and 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 Peter Parker because my first issue was right after Aunt May died, and that's probably why I don't like Aunt May. <laughs> Because well, there are a variety it, of reasons not to like Aunt May. Let's face it. Uh, yeah, um, especially the one-dimensional characterization that we seem to be continually, continually getting. But yep, um, you know, my first issue was tw- 
was Spectacular 223, um, which was Aftershocks Part 2. Uh, and that's took that me kind of awesome uh, black cover with the cutout spider that you can open and see a bunch more images through it, right? Yeah, yeah, that that is that is the die, you got the diecast version. Yeah. They actually had the uh, photo stand version or newsstand version, which wasn't. It just had the. It was kind of stupid. They they just took the basically a photo of the image and that was the cover. You didn't have the <laughs> gatefold. Don't ask me why. Um, well, there wasn't a lot of really awesome stuff hidden under there to begin with. <laughs> You know, the pencils were great. The, uh, the ink Oh, no, it was good. I'm just saying you saw all the good parts through the spider, so don't worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> um, you don't really need the full image of the wonderful jackal, let's face it. Yeah, no. I mean, really. Um, that was probably, and, and I, you know, I still, I got really criticized on the show for this, uh, but the rose-colored glasses. Um, I still think that's probably one of the better issues with with uh, Sinkevich and, and Buscema's artwork. Just that wasn't have the one with uh, good old freak face in the sewers, was it? No, 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 no. Okay, then that I'm was actually disagree two... with you entirely. <laughs> no, the, that was two twenty four, and and damn. Uh, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I think of Sinkevich. I think of you know the the big ugly monkey Peter Parker in the sewers, and ooh. yeah, Mark of Cade. That was a storyline that would give you give you nightmares, <laughs> just in its absurdity. I mean, if, it's like, oh, cool, oh, hey, hey, let's 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 do a story where we get all three Peter Parkers together, and then we have Peter Parker burst in the door. That's what I would like to know, ha ha. And I am wearing a life beater because that's what I wear in jail, you know. And you got, and I love Ben's. You know, things are about to get really interesting. <gasps> Dum dum dum! Uh, horrible, horrible. Well, and I remember thinking that uh, the trial of Peter Parker was mostly what I had wanted out of the Mark of Cain, anyway. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you can really tell they're stalling. Yeah, uh, was that five-part story four. Yeah, exactly. The, the Mark of Cain, pretty much epic fail. Trial of Peter Parker, you found. Oh God! And, and when you're reading it in, sequ- in sequential order, knowing what's going to happen. The Jacob Raven storyline was dragged out forever. <laughs> like, it, you know, I think Bertoni talked about this in one of the other other, other episodes, but he uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, Jacob Raven's been, been ready, to, ready to pounce for like six months, but, you know, we're waiting until issue 400. Woohoo! <laughs> well, I had read it in chronological order, so I actually got, uh, well, not chronological order, but publishing order. So I got Lost Years kind of where it was supposed to be without getting all that story beforehand and going, what's the tension here? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I love the fact that they, in the trades, they did they did Lost Years first. You know, they did Birth of Spider-Man, Lost Years, and then uh, the build-up pages, and then, um, of course, Grace, or Power Responsibility. But at the same time, it really kind of does diminish the tension. Yeah, I think it's double-edged. I mean, on the one hand, you want the first thing that they read when they open this trade, if they're not familiar with the Clone Saga, to be the awesome pinnacle of the Clone Saga that was Lost Years. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're going to get bored with old Jacob just kicking around for (laughs) several months. Well, and, and, I mean, these things are huge. I mean, they're ginormous. And the fact that they're throwing Planet of the Simeons in there is just ridiculous. Um, I really wish we did not. <laughs> sadly, you know, I bought that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh. I wished I hadn't. Michelini's not his finest hour, that inconsistent artwork. Um, yeah, and you want to talk about the uh, flip sides, the Pen Rally lizard? Yeah, mass? that is one of the few stories I've not read. 
And I'm kind of glad. Don't, 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 don't. Well, we're going to be... Um, the way that the, we're supposedly going to be doing this, we got a big, giant... we got the B-side of Max Clonage, the epic crossover with Teenage Wasteland and Ultimate Spider-Man podcast that we're doing, the Ultimate Clone Saga. We've got... Um, and after that, we're going to do we're going to do Lost Years and Planet of the Symbiotes simply because they're in the trades, doing a little earlier than I thought that we would be doing them. But because they're already in the trades, I figured we might as well get those two out of the way. So we'll be doing those. So yeah, so we're going to review. The reason that I turned down the spot on the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I like that they're thorough, but damn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to leave much out. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, and if they start putting the uh, Spider-Man team-up issues in there, I'll be like, holy crap. Well, uh, if you're putting um, Planet of the Symbiotes in there, you may as well put the Venom Along Came a Spider miniseries in there, and damn. Oh, God. Those Venom miniseries were just awful anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty much one of the better examples, too. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which I don't know what that says about the other piece. <laughs> but um, okay, so briefly describe to me as brief because you haven't released subsequent issues since since you released issue twelve. Because f- for the record, folks, if you weren't following along, issue twelve was released the same day as part four of One Moment in Time to kind of ca- uh, to counteract the crap that was going to come out. <laughs> um, so. What, kind of in the vaguest of terms, what are your plans for Ben Riley in general? Are you, without trying to give too much away, because I know you, I know you got some really insane, huge subplots <laughs> that uh, the last freaking scene, dude. Uh, it, it, those of you that have read it, it, it's a pretty huge, significant uh, scene. Yeah, I was, I was thoroughly expecting you to shit your pants. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I might have had, I might have soiled myself a little. <laughs> Considering considering the giant basically rewriting this issue, that issue is like a giant love letter to me, and, <laughs> in the straightest way possible. I mean that. Yeah, the uh, totally hetero. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, is it because? Okay, one of the big dynamics that that was established really late in the Clone Saga was you've got the Mary Peter Parker that's you know that's grown and matured and everything like that. And then you've got the young, swinging, hip Peter Parker that's really been left unexplored. So you can kind of go forward. It's it's the solution to the the quote-unquote problem that the Spider-Man titles have had for, yeah. since the marriage. You can have cake. You can eat cake. It's You can have icing on your cake, too. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but Marvel doesn't want no tasty cake. <laughs> well, it's got to be Peter Parker because the movies. No, it doesn't. Um, well, I, mean, I agree uh, Spider-Man has to be Peter Parker, but well, yeah, um, you know, for anybody that's listening that uh, hasn't read what we're talking about, uh, you can now go to crawlspacecomic.com and it'll redirect you right into the forum on the Spider-Man Crawlspace message that's... board that houses all these issues. Mm-hmm. And you can go back from the beginning and, and read from issue one through issue twelve. Um, yeah, or you can pick up pretty much anywhere you want to. I put a pretty decent recap at the top of every issue, even though I realized when I was writing the recap to number 12, I was like, damn, this is like two pages long. <laughs> Building up different continuity here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're having your series Bible in front of you, and you're like, crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, and that so, one up was the first time I also included a review 
uh, for what had come before in the Marvel Spider-Man titles. Cause I wanted to give a review of basically who Ben Rowley was. And I, th- I think I did a pretty decent job of trimming the Clone Saga down to about a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And that's why I tell people, I was like, because when, I, when I, Mike Bailey and I did that show, uh, episode 104 of Views from the Lawn Box, um, that's what I kind of told him. I said, at the core of the Clone Saga, it's a two-year-long story, but the three best elements of the Clone Saga are are Ben, Kane, and, and Norman. Um, even though Norman's the guy that comes in at the very end, when you when you look at it from when you read it again through the prism of Norman being behind everything, it really does you know fit fairly well. Uh, Although now, there's still things out there like you know reading the whole thing of gaunt trying to get regenerated like dude that's clearly hairy yeah um, (laughs) (laughs) i don't care what you told me later that dude is hairy oh god yeah um you know and and, they even threw out could it be hairy Mm -hmm. you know the (laughs) exact phrase um thank you bob harris who is the new eic of of dc which just baffles my mind um (laughs) well I'll, i'll wait and see how that goes well, uh, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, you can check out Burning, Topic, uh, Burning Talking Points Presents uh, The Return, where I completely just rip on, on what Bob Gale did. Bob uh, yeah. Uh, excuse me, Bob Harris, not Bob Gale. Because you can rip on Bob Gale all damn day, but <laughs> it's not relevant. <laughs> the only thing Bob Gale did well, I think, was Back to the Future Part 1. Um, um, but you also have to give Bob Harris credit for... Um, didn't he come up with the idea to bring Norman back? He did come up with it. That's the one saving grace. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and I kind of—it's kind of a double-edged sword because we got this the new Norman uh, in you, Norman. Um, which, when you read Jr.'s articles, it's like, okay, I see the light, Jr. I'm sorry, Jr. Fetiker <laughs> of being from SpideyKeeksButt.com. Uh, um, his his Goblin Prince series about uh, Harry Osborn just gave me so much material for Harry in this series. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Spoiler alert. We're going to change. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? We can do. But number 12 has been out for almost a month now, and by the time this podcast is out, it'll be over a month. So full spoilers, guys. Go read it before you keep listening. Okay. What you've done in the space of, of 12 issues of, of Crawl Space, you've, you've killed off Norman Osborn. Okay, that's huge. Uh, Decapitated his ass right up front. (laughs) Okay, you uh, completely reversed the deal with the devil, um, and in the process, bringing back a character named Killshot that was used in one issue of JMS's run. That I Uh, loved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Of course, I also killed him, so (laughs) I guess I'm kind of a bastard. (laughs) Uh, You have have Aunt May die. And get her useless, the useless sack of bones out of the title. Um, so this and stuff th- is issue one. <laughs> yeah, this is all in issue one. Issue two, you kill off Norman Osborn. Issue, th- uh, bring back Harry Osborn as a villain, not as not as this whiny little bitch named James James, James Franco <laughs> uh, with an earring. With the goddamn earring. Uh, <laughs> you've you've uh, and then you had your big long story arc called Spider Man Black, where you brought back. The black you brought in a character named the Black Spider, who is Simon uh, Parker, um, epic new villain. You also <laughs> I thought uh, we were gonna crucify me for there until I got the origin story out, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because there was a sh- shit ton 
of of wait time between. Yeah. Well, and when you when you're writing something that is as much as I hate the phrase fan fiction, and you introduce a long lost evil brother, I freely admit that looks like oh this is going to be some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that's what it was going to look like when I did it, but just kept yeah. telling people you know wait for the origin. I think you'll like it. And for the most part, I think people really did. Yeah. Uh, well, and because the way you interwo- interwove within continuity. You uh, completely brought the elements in. You brought in the Red Skull and stuff like that. In fact, you and I are on the uh, yeah. Crawl Space Fight Club forum. We're fighting uh, or squaring up against each other. Black Spider versus Red Skull, which is funny yeah, shit. And and Zach told me beforehand that he was going to pick somebody that I couldn't possibly vote against. <laughs> I was thinking, well, I've already used Kyle Rayner. Can it really just be Morbius? Uh, oh. <laughs> and like I don't really want to win this battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you right now, straight up, I was gonna pick Stella from CSA. <laughs> oh, but that would have been even worse, almost. Yeah, well, and, almost. But well, you could have picked me from CSA. That would have been something. <laughs> no, I thought, I fight thought yourself, one. Kevin. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if I had picked, if I had. Uh, picked Kevin, then you could have picked Zach, and that would have been hilarious. Um, If you picked Kevin, he's a vampire, so I probably would have just gone balls to the wall and picked Morbius. (laughs) Right. And I think we've just born another friendly fire fight club match right here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, this is all what you've done on the space of of 12 issues. Um, Really, on top of that, you, you bring in, you know, these giant, massive amount of clones, which, <laughs> um, okay. I, Slightly look, inspired by if maximum clonage hadn't sucked. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair, you could you could have said uh, partially inspired by uh, maximum clonage, would la- which lasts all but like 16 pages in the, in the Spider-Man real clone saga trade, yeah. uh, which you can go pick up now, or actually pick up in December, excuse me. Um, well, my problem was they never got out. It was a completely contained situation. Well, okay. Right. Why don't you yeah, just give a bunch of robots to fight? Who gives a rat's ass? Yeah, well, and, and, and on top of that, the, one of the big climaxes of that story, you had Sinkevich and Buscema. Buscema's about that point is phoning it in. Well, Buscema uh, by that point is drowned by Sinkevich. Yeah. He's a guy that should never ink because it ends up just being Sinkevich. Exactly. Uh, and it didn't. And when you look at the, the all the style, I mean, because at that point you had Stephen Butler and Mark Bagley, very similar artists. Um, then you had uh, Tom Lyle, who's really similar, and then you have you know out of left field this dark and it'd be different if, if Spectacular was on its own doing its own dark and moody stuff, and it fit the tone of the story. But it really never really fit the tone of the rest <laughs> of the story. It's, it's just like, whoa! Really... I'm reading Spectacular now. Holy shit! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, You'll be able to tell in the trades, even if they didn't put covers in there. Trust me. Oh yeah. And the thing is, when you look at the gorgeous artwork of Sinkevich, or not, excuse me, Buscema, with him and Dimatteis is running spectacular from yeah. you know one seventy five to to really two two ten. Those, I mean, some gorgeous artwork by by far Buscema's best artwork. On that run um, was uh, you know a huge influence on. Uh, the Harry Osborne in Crawl Space, too. I mean, the, oh, the okay, Child so, Within and the, uh, you know, like, number 200, those kinds of stories. Ooh, damn. Yeah. Um, okay, let me throw this out at you. Should should have been, should it have been Norman or Harry as the overall mastermind of the Clone Sire? 
Um, I think it's almost hard to say with hindsight because we know how much Norman Osborn being back has added to Spider-Man since then. Mm-hmm. So looking back on it, it seems like a great decision to uh, to bring Norman Osborn back for future Spider-Man stories. In the context of the Clone Saga, and in what had been going on before that with Harry's sort of uh, from-the-grave stuff he had already been doing, it seems like it would make more story sense for it to be Harry. Yeah. But I really can't argue with bringing Norman back just because of what's happened since. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm getting the same way. In story sense, I think it makes much more sense with Harry. Um, and you can really tell, especially, and one of the things... That, the reason why everybody knows it was supposed to be Harry is because of the Life of Riley series, which is a series that has really helped the show be what it's been so far. Um, because it really gives you a ton of insight into what was going on behind the scenes. And how, and of course, if you've you know read any of the early stuff with Gaunt, you also know it was supposed to be Harry Osborn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, okay, I'm not gonna lie. When I read because Blood Brothers was my first full arc. As a Spider-Man fan, which is the you're still here, yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I love no, I love that arc. I mean, think about it. It starts off boom, uh, Ben Riley unmasked. Uh, with yeah, the, I really liked the Ben Riley and Jessica Carradine stuff going on. Yeah, really, um, really course, was, honestly, I thought Dan Jurgens' sensational run was one of the major highlights of the Clone Saga as a whole. Yeah. I mean, uh, the stuff he was doing there was great, especially with Ben as a character. But I think he he always wanted to write Peter Parker uh, at the end of the day. Which is funny because he did such a good job with Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, and that really speaks to how uh, professional a writer he is. You know, Even though he ended up leaving because it wasn't what he wanted to do when he was there and he was given what he was given, he knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Uh, even if it wasn't what he really wanted to do. I never ever got the chance to complete his run, so I've just now recently read uh, Sensational Number Six, which is the end of his end of his very. I mean, seven issues is an extremely short run. Yeah. But the overall symmetry, the way he the way he bookended it with the uh, Sensational Number Zero, the first issue he had, was really spectacular. Sensational. I'll use well, I use the <laughs> adjective that's described on the book. Um, Let's just say you know, it was awesome. It was really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like using that word because it's never been used before Spider-Man in a title. <laughs> uh, really great artwork, really strong writing, you know, and obviously I'm going to go into great detail when we get to this to that book in, oh, yeah. in, in the review section. Yeah, I really liked the, the character of Jessica Carradine and what he did with her, and I was kind of well, sad he wrote her out with his last issue, but to be fair, nobody else really picked up on her and ran with her. He was pretty much just using her in his title. Yeah, that was his pet character. Um, and really, that was a, either an editorial or a writing weakness. Because if other people had picked up on that and run with it, I think it could have been uh, a, a much stronger, long-running story. Really, it really brought a different element to the to the titles. Uh, there was a the the reboot. Uh, we'll call it the reboot within the reboot. Uh, <laughs> um, the reboot of after the abysmal abysmal Skull Spider titles where oh when you read them you it's pretty clear that DeFalco and, and everybody and Mackie they were phoning that in oh yeah they probably I don't know where the basic story came from but I'm sure when they saw it they were pretty much like what the f- is this? 
Yeah, and, and again, we'll get into the details of that after. Uh, that's actually when we're doing our big calling episode too. But mm. your problem um, with that is going to be people having to read it to comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're saying okay, everything up to that point you can comment on. Uh, I'll tell you right now. I'll call in and I'll talk about it, but I'll talk about it from memory of the last time I read it. I'm not rereading that shit for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's pretty abysmal. I mean, there's that that really four or five stretch months stretch of of that of that title of the titles at that time. Excuse me. Really awful. <laughs> um, that is probably, I think, the low point of the Clone Saga, even worse than Maximum Clonage. Uh, I would. It's pretty damn close. <laughs> I don't know. I think in, in terms of single issue, there is nothing more abysmal than Omega. But in yeah. terms of oh, uh, in terms of a story arc, yeah, that's pretty damn bad. Um, it just kept going. Oh yeah, <laughs> it seemed so much longer than it was, and there was nothing good in any one of them. No, and that's a um, big problem. <laughs> well, I'll tell you though, I, some of the better uh, Busima artwork with drawing the Scarlet Spider was in there. Well, I'll um, tell you, the uh, I forget which series it was, but the very first one to come out, the number, the first number one, was one of the best Scarlet Spider images I think I've seen. And I think it was Web of. Yeah, the, the cover. And yeah. you open up the book and it's absolute crap. Yeah, yeah, you try not to look past the cover. Those are one you, you just want to judge by the cover and forget everything else. That is You're actually... That was the same artist that did the, I, I think, the most iconic cover of, of the Clone Saga in terms of Ben Riley uh, as the Scarlet Spider. That was Stephen Butler. Um, they did both those covers. And that was the that cover was you're talking about being the introduction of the Scarlet Spider with the Exile Returns. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a great one. And I then also you... really loved the. Uh, I think it was Blood Brothers Part One, the cover with uh, the camera focused on him with his the mask in his hands. Oh yeah, wall, oh yeah. Which was which was homaged for the cover to Crawl Space Number Nine. Yes, it was. Uh, okay, all right. So we're, let's talk a little bit about One in a Million. We briefly touched upon the the, the basis of it and the, your thought process of making Maximum Clonage actually good. <laughs> you went through and you made homage uh, homages to different aspects of the Clone Saga throughout this story. Mm-hmm. The first the first cover is Peter in Ben's suit because. Of in story reasons, uh, <laughs> which was important to me. I didn't want to just yeah. throw him into Ben Riley's suit. Yeah, uh, well, good because that's what most people in fan fiction would do. Um, <laughs> but so obviously, you know, it's a homage to that to that particular cover. The second cover, second one was uh, Black Cat and Toxin in an homage that's... to Spider-Man Unlimited number seven or ten. I think ten, it's seven. I think. Or was yeah. it seven? Well, you, you know, find it. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just Toxin replacing Ben Rowley on that cover, which, damn, I thought uh, David Krim Hambone did an amazing Toxin on that cover. Yeah, I think he uh, he absolutely absolutely sold that that cover. Probably one of the better uh, Toxins I've seen. Just yeah, in general. absolutely. Although you, you did have a little mini controversy with the. Uh, De-skimpivization, if I can use that word, of Black Cat. Um, I like to call it the zipping up of Black Cat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pretty much. I remember some guy complaining about it. It's, it's really irrelevant. So you had that. And then the third cover was the most – that was the, like the most oblique. It was extremely uh, subliminal by the time Hambone was done with it. Because <laughs> I intended it to be much more of a direct homage. And he just decided that looks weird. <laughs> the idea was to have uh, 
you know, ben, and of course, when you first see the cover, you don't know it's Ben Rowley. You think it's Peter Parker, but uh, it is Ben Rowley on the cover, just having been reborn. The original idea that I had was, um, and do you know the issue number it was an homage to? I, can, I don't know the uh, issue number off the top of my head. It was Web of Spider-Man number something. It was a power and responsibility 118. issue. 118, there you go. And it was the flip cover. Uh, that was the Ben Riley origin part of it, and you know when you look at that cover, that original cover, he's uh, he's he's reaching up out of that clone tank. So my original thought was to have uh, Ben Riley uh, on the ground, having just been reborn, uh, kind of reaching up, just like he is from that clone tank. But uh, Hambone said he thought a naked dude on the pavement just kind of sitting up and reaching looked freaking weird. <laughs> so he, he had him just completely laying down, eyes still closed, having j- literally just been reborn. And what he did was have his hands on the ground be in the same uh, kind of position his hands were in that cover. But nobody but you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a complete shot in the dark. I'm thinking because he's like it is a homage. You're, it is a homage. You're like okay, okay, and then I come up very first guess yeah. with with this with this thing. And I was like okay, and I, I, what what it was. The only reason I even thought about it was I'm trying to think of a cover that has Ben Riley or, or Peter Parker naked during the clone saga, <laughs> and that's just disturbing right there. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's the only one, folks. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I well, throw that out. I was hoping people noticed by then that I thought might give them a clue uh, was that each one of these covers that was being homaged uh, was not only a Clone Saga cover; it was specifically a Ben Riley cover, and that yeah. was actually part of uh, me laying clues of what was uh-huh. going to happen. And I kind of did. No, I'm not going to lie; I, I kind of did throw the guess out there. I think you're bringing back Ben Riley, And you're like, no, nah, you'll have to wait and see. Just the typical yeah. Stanley form. You're like, crap, crap. I can just see you, I can just see you on the other yeah, side. I had Panic. literally, you know, we had eight variant covers on this, and I had literally threatened all the artists that if it got back to you what was happening, somebody was going to die. <laughs> One, the, the sad thing is, is, okay, two of the artists... Are actually on this normally on this show. <laughs> yep. The I'm other artist, artist. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and one of the other artists does CSA with Crawl Space Avengers, the other uh, online ongoing web series on, on the Crawl Space. With he's the he's the variant cover artist for that. So these three of these guys are are in direct involvement with me. <laughs> yep. Now I love I love their three covers. But I have to say, my favorite cover of the bunch, besides the besides the new Scarlet Spider costume, was the Spider Carnage costume. Holy crap, yeah, was that good! That um, was incredible. And the the weird thing, of course, you know how some artists can be. But uh, Daniel Maynard, who did that cover when he sent it to me, he was all apologetic, saying you know he had he had had a hand injury recently, and so this just wasn't his best work, and he was really sorry, and he do he said I'll do something else for you again in the future to make up for it. <laughs> and then I look at the cover holy shit, dude, that rocks! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? You did this with a hand injury? <laughs> yeah, I, he's... Uh, we got some extreme... Uh, Daniel uh, Hamels... Or Don Hamels, excuse me. Dion. 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 Uh, you did uh, Eternal Affairs, the webcomic, short-lived webcomic on there. That was that by was, far his... Some actually, his, uh, Ted Brandt did the Internal Affairs series. Oh, okay. Dion... Did uh, the pitch for the dead with me? Yeah. Okay. Dion's cover absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. He, he does this, and, and that's hand painted. 
That's not like, you know, going into Photoshop and doing some digital work. Dion hand paints. And the fact that he could hand paint that is just incredible, and it looked amazing. And what knocked my socks off is he made the outfit Ben Riley wore in Lost Years look like a costume somebody would choose to wear. Rather right. than some, you know, pieces of T-shirt that just got thrown together. And the and the cool thing about the, about the majority of these of these covers now, there's a couple like the like uh, the one by Donovan, where it's um, it doesn't have this. There was a billboard of Mary Jane, um, Emma Rose from, which is an obvious reference to was it Spider-Man Two or Spider-Man Three? Spider-Man Two, right? I believe it was two. Yeah, uh, that was that was uh, Hambone's idea. He threw that billboard in there and everybody else just worked off of his cover yeah um really epic the uh the cover on that um but i'll, but I'll say this ted was who i was wanting to talk talk about yeah absolutely some of his best work oh uh, i agree i really agree he he rocked that and he's you know it's been a while since he's done a crawl space cover and yeah. he you can just see how much he's developed in that time i mean i love the crawl space covers he did uh, maybe you can really see how far his development has come since then, and he continues to develop. And that's yeah. one of the things I love about getting to work with the sort of artists I do is, you know, just getting to watch him develop in this early stage. And all the ones I work with, you know, I work with people that I feel like are on a level that I can put their art on something I've written and be proud of it. Mm-hmm. So they're already on that level. But you continue to watch them develop, and it's just incredible. You know, and the, and the funny thing is, is as a, as a writer myself, because you and I can, because we were, we do something so so similar, you know, but something completely different in terms yeah. of story and stuff. But like like for example, Gerard um, has done almost every cover of, of Crawl Space Avengers, and every single one of them have been gorgeous. Oh God! Um, yeah. Uh, when I first when I first got the uh, the the scans of of, of covered for number one, I was just shocked. Mm-hmm. That uh, somebody was willing, number one, to, to 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 pencil my art, to pencil artwork for my story. I never had ever had that before. And then, on top of that, just what he's done, you know, in terms of pinups and stuff like that. The uh, amazing cover to the most recent issue of Crawl Space Avengers, which all I said to him was, and I had Stella in mind when I thought of this. Stella being our co-host on Crawl Space, Gone with the Wind reference, go. <laughs> Oh, and he, and he comes, went, <laughs> <laughs> and he comes with up with this this epic cover of the character of Kevin, which is based off of Kevin, and the character of Stella, which is based off of Stella. In this, just in a tremendous homage to Gone with the Wind, and blew uh, blew my socks off. I have looked, never been so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> First reaction to Kevin: I'm a hairy chested love god. Uh, <laughs> I could just hear you saying that out loud, uh, especially especially you're at the, you're at work at the bank and you know, so I just that, uh, old cut from that cover of Man Stella is still my avatar on the cross base message board for a good damn reason. <laughs> and I love before that um, um, Enigma twenty ninety nines rendition oh, yeah. of you. Where he made, he's like, dude, I've never looked so badass. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, we've, and this is why I love CSA. I've got the most badass-looking image of me ever and the sexiest-looking image of me ever. <laughs> I love right. this series. <laughs> <laughs> I remember somebody saying uh, with Enigma's cover, I 
didn't think a powder blue polo shirt could look so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it I, does. And you mentioned the color of the of the shirt. Kevin um, and myself have been using the services of this this whiz kid when it comes to coloring, mm. named Brandon uh, Brandon DPs. I won't say his full name. That's way less good. Uh, yeah. Um, dog on the crawlspace message board. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beat up on the crawlspace message board. The guy is phenomenal, and yeah. every single cover for crawlspace number twelve has been colored by him. He colored uh, in like a twenty-four hour period. He covered uh, crawlspace Avengers number seven. And um, to, to clarify, though, he he colored six of the covers. Oh, that's uh, right. To crawlspace number twelve, uh, Dion's was hand painted by himself. And uh, Ted's was colored by uh, a partner that Ted works with, Ollie Steven. And and I've had no contact ever with Ollie Steven, but he did uh, an incredible job on the colors of that too. Yeah, very really color look to it. Yes, yeah, and that it, there's every single cover. There's a thing to like about it. And yeah. the the incredible thing to me too, if you you look at these covers side by side. Um, all six of these ones, colored by B Dog, they all have a different look to them. You know, mm-hmm. a different look to the color. Uh, yeah. Especially if you look at uh, Sebastian Roy, the final cover, the bottom cover on it, which is uh, sort of the '70s Clone Saga cover with just both classic Spider-Man costumes. You can see like a dot effect that sort of has this uh, really classic comic book coloring feel to it. Yeah, especially which, in the windows. Yeah, and this is again something that. B Dog just did, you know. He he didn't talk to me about it. He just uh, looked at the cover, and you know you can see that uh, Sebastian's art has a very classic feel to it, and he just he just feels that, and he does it, and it's incredible. Yeah, um, you know, and, and Gerard, I think he he's comfortable enough with because he's colored so many of Gerard's covers because he colored almost all the covers yeah. for CSA that he he kind of knows what Gerard likes too. Yeah, great job there. The funny thing is, the damn pigeons. <laughs> yeah. And that was another handbone thing, and I just decided not to question him on it. Uh, you'd have to talk to him, but I looked at those and thought this very same thing that I'm sure you did. And, and, of course, and, that was actually a coloring note when I sent it to B Dog. Was you know whatever you do, I don't care what color they are, the damn pigeons will not be red. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, for those of you that are somewhat lost at home. Brand new day, or excuse me, one more day, and one moment in time. Both feature this red pigeon, which is supposed to be, I guess, a red herring, haha, of <laughs> Mephisto and his evil deeds and his dirty work. And so, as this, as these issues were coming out, because um, four, uh, four of the crawl space issues came out the same time they were, they came out coinciding with Omit, and kind of be the counterbalance between the really what we all thought as administrative staff, the shitstorm that was coming. Um, <laughs> like we which, knew it was going to piss people off. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... We, it, and I think that was the intent of half the story. Yeah, um, to get people talking again about Spider-Man. Um, and surprisingly enough, there were, we kept making the joke, there would be million, millions of casualties. Millions! It'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like Iwo Jima. You know, you got the invading forces of of Joe Casada, and in the end, uh, there were like two. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were only two casualties, which was really weird, uh, <laughs> considering the wake of Omit or uh, One More Day. Good God! Um, what is to you the best parts of the Clone Saga? Uh, usually, they have the 
word Demathis on the cover somewhere. <laughs> uh, though not always. I admit even Demathis drops some, or Demateus drops some stinkers, but I don't completely fault him for that. Um, lost Years, obviously. Come on. Yeah. Um, and I, I hold Redemption in the same regard as Lost Years. I feel like those are two parts of one story, and they're both just epically good. And and I think it's very telling that, you know, these are stories focused on Ben Riley And yeah. J.M. DeMathis, who... Or DeMatteis, I'm sorry. I, I, I found out the proper <laughs> pronunciation of his name not all that long ago, so I'm still adjusting. Um, and, and, yeah, he's a guy that can get into... Uh, the psychology and really, you know, character creation like that and, and figure out somebody who is a clone, you know, better than most writers really could. And so those those stories are phenomenal, and not only for Ben, but for Kane, um, mm-hmm. and even for Janine Godby slash Elizabeth Tyne. Um, it's great stuff there, and there's a lot of inspiration uh, I'm getting from those. And uh, the Ben Riley era, the Ben Riley Spider-Man era. Um definitely yeah, it, had some clunkers going on, but uh, it was overall, I think, the strongest overall period of the Clone Saga, and uh, like I say, Dan Jurgens' run was fantastic, and uh, I get a lot of inspiration for how to write Ben Riley as the quote-unquote new Scarlet Spider from that, too. And I think uh, the biggest thing about that was the rejuvenation of the writing staff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to kind of go back behind the scenes, you had Demetrius leave during Maximum Carnage. Was he plotted the, the main issue? Uh, he left because originally that was going to be the apex. That was going to be the ending. That uh, the marketing department got involved, got in Bobby Linsky's ear basically, and said, "Okay, we've got to we got to pad this out." More clones. Uh, more clones. Um, he left, and because basically what the plan was was to give the reins off to, to Ben. Well, that wouldn't happen for another three months. Uh, Demetrius felt like longer. <laughs> yeah, it felt like longer. But Demetrius really wanted to get in, you know get into doing Ben Riley as Spider Man, and you know was t- that. And I think he was because at that point they were starting to talk about okay, we're not going to do part one of four anymore. We're going to do. You know, because the Blood enti- brothers came along and <laughs> return exactly. of Kane. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the biggest problem with that was, you know, it, he couldn't really get into his own subplots. You know, he was having to finish off and do. And, and granted, the, at the in the beginning, the camaraderie between the four writers was such that, or the three original writers, and they brought in Tom the Falco because they convinced him that he should write this. <laughs> he was editor-in-chief at the time. He's like, maybe I should... Hell, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Dude, we need somebody that knows his shit. Come on down. Yeah, exactly. So they all, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall during those initial meetings, but at that point when it's starting, you know, it's starting to become a chore, it, you know, it was really starting to affect the, the quality of the stories. Uh, Todd Zango came in, and, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, but the first three parts of, of Maximum Clonage are written by Todd DeZango, is, is at least either written or scripted by him. So a lot of the blame goes towards him because that's his first real major exposure. He had done some plotting mm-hmm. with Tom DeFalco and, and kind of learned the ropes through Tom DeFalco, and then he gets thrown you know, full on the fire. Into the deep uh, end. And, yeah, thrown in the massive deep end. Okay, well, we're going to do a story that's wrapping all this. Congratulations, you've been promoted. Um, so <laughs> no. at that point, 
Yeah, so you know, you got to feel bad for Todd Todd Zango, who ended okay. up having a really fun run. I got it. Since I'm actually on the podcast and not listening to it this time, I've got to uh, stop you on one thing that I always catch when I'm listening to the podcast. Sure. Todd DeZago does not have an N in his last name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You know what? Uh, DeZago is, is – I stand corrected, Mr. DeZago. I, I sincerely <laughs> apologize. It's like, it's like DeMatteis. And to math, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I know I do it, but just every time I hear it, I'm like, mm, there's no end. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm this... an anal bastard like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will correct the rest of the staff, too, because I think they've all been running with that, too. Um, but Zago, you know, he gets thrown in massive deep end. Um, and he's having, I think at one point, I, I, I'm, and I'll have to go check check on this to make sure I'm not talking out my ass, but. At one point, I think he was writing two titles. Um, I'm yeah. trying to. I was, yeah, I'm trying was to. Yeah. The regular writer on Sensational, and he became the writer on Spectacular for a while. Yeah, and <laughs> until DiMatteis came back after the Clone yeah. what, what happened was, it, we talked. We talked about Jurgens. Jurgens leaves because um, they were looking to wrap things up about halfway through the Ben Riley run, which was about six months. Uh, Bob Harris comes in. He wants he wants Peter back in the costume. So we you know they're starting to take stabs. Yeah, Bob Yelinsky after you know pretty much being adamant with where this is the direction we're going. You know he caves and everything, and they're starting to bring back you know Peter. Well, then they delay it. Um, because Jurgen says F- this. Sh-. <laughs> <laughs> I know this never ends. I've seen where it goes before. <laughs> yeah, because this is the similar situation that he had in Superman. Um. But Onslaught comes along, which is the big giant Marvel event that was going on during the Clone Saga that pushed back the ending of the Clone Saga again. <laughs> um, and if you're reading through the Clone Saga, do yourself a favor and don't read Onslaught. Yeah, because it does nothing. Uh, th- literally, everybody's like, oh, to be continued in Mon- Onslaught Marvel Universe. They literally appear, the Peter and Ben, together in one panel. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I got the impression that I didn't miss anything. <laughs> no, you don't miss Jack Tiddly Squat. I think they appear on, either on one page or one panel, one or the other. Um, but, you know, while we're getting into that uh, that era, though, another another one of my favorite uh, things around them was Howard Mackey and J.R. Jr.'s mm-hmm. uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man, or at the time, just Spider-Man run. Yeah. That, was, they... that was incredible, too. I like the... The, the mob feel they went for in their title was a lot different than the other stuff that was going on at the time. It, well, and it had its own voice. Um, and it had J.R. Jr. art. Yeah. <laughs> Let's freaking face it. One of my favorite covers uh, is that one. I don't know what number it is, but it's Ben Riley, Jimmy Six, and Daredevil. You know, all about to that kick would be ass. No, that would be number 74. Yeah, that was so, an incredible cover. The last uh, cover of Ben Riley in full costume that wasn't ripped to shreds. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least in Peter, uh, that Jr. Jr. did. Let me rephrase that. Because um, yeah. yeah, the next one uh, Ben was pretty beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to talk about things that are going on ahead of time. Um, just to talk a little bit about like what's coming up next, like in terms of the read through, like Exiled, really a a pivotal arc in one sense that you. This is where you start to get the backstory of Ben Riley and Seward Seward Trainer. Um, There's a character I'm not bringing back. <laughs> I'll tell you well, right I now, mean, there's other characters I'm bringing back, and um, 
Seward Trainer, the Jackal, Spider Side, those are all <laughs> stayed on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> you should write a deleted scene with all, the, all those guys be like, hey, what about us? No. <laughs> yeah, it would be like a big, oh, let's do a throwback, a big sentinel foot splatting them all. <laughs> that would have been a great onslaught crossover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, know, the, the, you know, those movies were like how it should have ended. <laughs> Boom. Done. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Maximum Clone should have ended. Boom. <laughs> Which you kind of did get with that with the jackal thing. And that <laughs> horrible artwork from Omega. Yeah, but. Um, you know, a thing I found really interesting about uh, Redemption, when I was listening to uh, Brad Douglas's interview with J.M. DeMatteis, the big massive three-part interview on the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast probably two years ago now. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was saying that he originally really wanted Redemption to be another flashback. Mm -hmm. A sequel to The Lost Years that would also be a flashback. And I I couldn't tell reading it. (laughs) I thought he did a very good job adapting it to modern day. And I think uh, you know, for me as somebody that gets to follow up on this, it, it makes for a, an interesting story where Ben convinced Janine to turn herself in for murder and said, I'll, I'll be there for you every step of the way. You don't have to do this alone. And then he promptly died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the same month. Yeah, so. well, when you look at things, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to check on this to make sure, but this was literally re- released... Right after, or right as they're starting to build up and do the march up to uh, to Revelations, because yeah, if I'm correct, I believe I am. Uh, Redemption Part Four was actually released the very same month as yeah, Ben Rally Dad in Revelations. That was, that, that was what I was going to check right quick because I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, what what a kind of what a kind of what a slap to the face for anybody that you know for D. Mateus. Yeah. Um, to come out with this really, I mean, ridiculously good, mm-hmm. ridiculously good um, storyline with uh, Spider-Man Redemption, and literally have it come out the same month as the epic storyline that is Revelations. I mean, Revelations is the apex of the Clone Saga. It's a great, yeah, great storyline. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought uh, you know he did great work with. Janine slash Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I'm nobody, looking forward to following up on it in Crawl Space Annual Number One. Well, nobody ever picked up on the fact that he had this long lost lover. Yeah, um, which it was, was pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, which um, that was one of those subplots that was kind of lost. Is, is um, kind of like Gabrielle Greer, which I for a long time I couldn't remember her name, but Gabrielle Greer is actually the one thing that is talked about. We talked about in uh, Planet of the Symbiotes and getting ready for it was she actually makes that's the, that's her final appearance as, as in the, in the story oh poor character uh, oh yeah <laughs> um, if that's your final really, appearance you are staying forgotten <laughs> well considering the only people that really dealt with her was uh Kavanaugh he was Kavanaugh's bad character kind of drops off you kind of notice that there's a theme here with with the female love interest they're all kind of pet characters well and uh, can you say brand new day True. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. <laughs> well, and then you had Desiree too, and, and the Clone Saga. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Uh, and of course, we already talked about Jessica Carradine. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, she was referenced in, in Amazing a couple of times. Which one of my favorite splash pages of, of the Ben Riley era is um, during Blood Brothers Part Two, where 
you got Ben swinging in this really awesome pose by Bagley, and you got Jessica's, you know, mug right behind it. Really great spl- opening splash page. Um, well, one thing that intrigues me about Jessica, she didn't know a damn thing about the clone stuff or Peter Parker. She just found out Ben Riley was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So she'd been out there all these years. There's been a Spider-Man. She has no idea there were two different ones. You know, what the hell has she been thinking? <laughs> um, you know, and, and nobody knows. I mean, because she's not made an appearance since. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you if you if you were to bring her back, which you you're not going to spoil it for me because you're a bastard. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert! I will. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I do have plan. I do have plans to uh, revisit Jessica Carity, and I won't say anything more than that. But, uh, but she's too but, uh, interesting a character not to at least touch him. You know, you have a, a, a plot that involves her needing Spider-Man's assistance. Does she go out looking after looking for Ben? You know, it, 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 I'm talking about like the current Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, ben Riley had a a funeral. So, I mean, does she know Ben Riley quote unquote died and does she think some other dude just became Spider-Man? I mean, it's Yeah, well, it's and, all up in the air. You know, she could think anything. <laughs> yeah. Um well, and they, and people are like, well, she interacted with Peter and Mary Jane. Yeah, once. <laughs> once. Um and in the same sort of situation where, you know, Clark Kent can wear glasses and fool everybody, she didn't know that Ben and Peter were clone related. <laughs> oh, we're cousins. Yeah. Cousins. Well, and the That's... thing that gets me about that, and what I, I, I really toyed with actually changing when I did Crawl Space, although I, I decided I couldn't since it was so well established. Mm-hmm. It is so ridiculous that not only did they say they were cousins, they went so far as to decide that he was a cousin from Aunt May's side, which means they have no blood relation whatsoever. <laughs> Except they look exactly the f- alike. Yeah, yeah, I know. Tell J- uh, Jonah Jameson that, and see if he buys it. Well, yeah. Um, so I, I really tell Wolverine, with tell Wolverine that. Yeah. New um, Richard and Mary Parker. Um, <laughs> and the I swear to God, the only person that's ever picked up on that that he knew uh, Peter Parker's parents was um, Juan Castro, who did. The uh, Return and Revenge of the Sinister Six novels. Hmm. He's the only person that's picked up on that and ran with it. Yeah, well, and that's a rich history that I would like to do more with, and obviously I used it in Spider-Man Black, but the problem with it at this point is, you know, where in time do you ground the Parkers? You know, because you can't ground them in World War II anymore because that makes Peter like 60-something years old. Yeah, but if you then move it up to the Cold War or something, then you're com- you're directly contradicting what's already been on panel. So yeah. they're really difficult to use unless you just do something I did, like I did, which is you know build more stuff into what we've already seen and just not reference <laughs> what era it is. Well, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like Frank Castle. Uh, yeah. Outside the Max series, it's just referred to as the War, mm. not Vietnam. The war. <laughs> okay. Well, Tony Stark has officially been moved up to Afghanistan, I think. Yeah, which, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Bothers me. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's again, yeah. it completely contradicts what we've seen on panel. And this ain't the DCU. We didn't have a crisis. Although, at this point, it kind of sounds like a good idea. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say there have been certain things, especially in Spider-Man, that I would describe as a crisis, but mostly for the fans. 
<laughs> Good. Yeah, that, that, that works out pretty well. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Baby May. And okay. I can't talk much, but I'll say what I can. Okay, so... Do you did you think it was a good idea for Peter and Mary Jane to get pregnant? Uh yes. Okay. I thought it was uh, it especially worked for the time. It was a very progressive forward motion type of thing. Um and it can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, you need good writers to pull it off, but it can be done. Well, and it seems like nobody wants to touch this about Tom DeFalco. Uh Yeah. And look, I, and Tom I you DeFalco know I, wants his hands all over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, Tom, it was Tom DeFalco's idea. Uh, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, the the whole pregnancy in itself was an apex of it was DeFalco's idea, and everybody's like, "Ooh, ah!" And he certainly milked an entire leg of his career out of it. Yeah, I mean, um, and I, I tell you right now, I mean, some of the best old school classic storytelling series, one of the best old school series uh, of the last decade was Spider Girl. Um, and in terms of Spider-Man de- series, the be- best old school writings was, as much as I hate to say it, Dan Slott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as everybody's like, "Oh, Dan Slott can write Spider-Man. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, hoping that we're getting the Dan Slott of, of that instead of the Dan Slott of Brand, Brand New Day. Um, since how he's the, he's the guy, he's running the show. Uh, I really am hoping that we'll see that and that I, you know, because I've had some people uh, that have written in the show that have, you know, kind of dog the fact that I dog on the new the new direction, especially with our Who Has Been Rally episode. But well, I mean, how could you help it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> granted, you know, fifteen minutes of research would have made that story better. Um, yeah, and you know, characterization couldn't hurt. Oh God, yeah. Well, you know, and, and, you know, I think I had a person ask on the last episode that I was on with uh, Crawlspace. Uh, about well, what, this doesn't make any sense with why why is Kane mad at Peter? And I'm like, well, last time they saw each other, he was you know Kane thought Peter was the clone, and oh by the way, had just sold his basically you know sold his soul to the devil, huh? Fun um, to the jackal, and Kane and Peter didn't interact until long after. Long, I mean, that was the first time they actually interacted. Was was uh, who has been Riley? Since then, because Kane was killed off in maximum clonage, Ben became Spider-Man before Kane actually returned. Or Ben was Scarlet Spider still when when he returned, and then they had the Return of Kane storyline, which pretty much didn't do you know anything really. And then they brought and then and then Redemption, which has no reference. If you read that story, there's no reference to Mary Jane and Peter in that story. It's strictly a Ben Riley, Janine Go, um, God Kane. Yeah, yeah, and God. it's you know it's evidence that uh, he originally intended it to be a flashback story. Yeah, you know, I mean he adapted it very well to modern day, but he wasn't going to go so far as to include all this extraneous crap that had bogged down the Clone Saga, which was a good idea. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as far as Baby May goes, uh, I, I admit I've flip flopped on that myself because uh, there you can find uh, probably audio of me <laughs> a couple of years ago saying that I, I don't want to see uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane with a baby. I don't think it was a good idea, and I'm perfectly happy to say she was stillborn and forget it. Yeah. Uh, I've changed my mind. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, when you read when you read and you look and you, if you're you know if you're taking this 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 thing with Ben Riley and running with it because you and I, I'm not all, I'm not completely spoiled the past twelve issues for you. Uh, there's still other things. There's other subplots that I haven't mentioned and characters that have been brought back that have really 
are really obscure that are, you know, somewhat important to the Menthos. I mean, um, Melkin, is that how you say his name? Minkin. Minkin. Yeah, Minkin. Yeah. I mean, the, the character of Minkin. Previously, you know, some people that don't have no idea who that character is, um, you some some people might think that, that, that this is a character you just created. No, he's actually an established character. Yeah, and I try to do that as much as possible because there's so there's such a rich uh, cast of characters in Spider-Man I mean, history. I mean, I mean, sh- sake, you brought back Buzz and Shirley from the Daily Grind. Now, granted, <laughs> I brought back Buzz and Shirley from the Daily Grind as homage, but you, I mean, I, I, that was a great supporting cast that. Um, you just you just can't help but love and and the way you this way you seamlessly brought you know Brian the Daily Bugle cast and everything like that and uh, just great great stuff that you've done. And I'll uh, I'll say I don't uh, I don't intend to use uh, Shirley and Buzz and the Daily Grind like his you know main supporting characters ongoing <laughs> or anything, but I, I I don't think you can bring Ben Riley back from the dead and not have him see them again. Yeah. You know, it's it, you can just kind of try to launch things into the modern world, but uh, you know, I feel like the the issue needed to be as much him getting back into uh, his life, sort of revisiting the old and creating a new. Um, but you know, you also need to do that stuff for the fans. Yeah, the fans of Ben Riley are you know the people that are that are really going to love this. Now, and I I wanted to make him accessible to new people, and part of that is showing what made him great to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think you I think you succeeded, because I think you're, you're, the issue is extremely well-received. I think uh, there was a lot of people that this, you know, when you brought back Ben, and when you did the, the whole Simon Peter thing, and there was a lot of people that were like, I don't know if I like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like this. And then issue 12 came out, and they're like, okay, okay, alright. And, and Kevin, we trust. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm constantly saying just just stick around for the next issue, seriously. <laughs> and I know full well I do uh, a lot of cliffhangers that'll um, uh, make people trepidatious. <laughs> but uh, uh, people well, people usually seem to be fairly receptive once they read what the story is, and I think people are getting used to that. Which you know, uh, bring him back an 18-ish year old baby May at the end of uh, Crawl Space number 12 kind of goes in that category. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, and then of course, you know, we're, we're anxiously waiting for the for the annual uh, because the annual answers a lot of questions with with uh, Harry and what he did in the, in the in the years that he was dead. Oh, and I'll tell you, the uh, the annual has four covers, one for each of the stories, and I'm looking at as my desktop right now, uh, Dion Hamill, who did the wonderful hand painted Lost Years cover for number twelve, yeah, uh, did me a hand painted cover of the Goblin King and Morbius. That uh, just makes you want to cry. It's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, I uh, uh, definitely, definitely am very anticipating of the new annual. Um, and there's there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some stuff in the annual that's I think more pertinent to what's going on than you might expect. And there'll be some answers coming in places that you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um. A, expect a note on Norman Osborn somewhere. Let's say that. Yeah, that's one thing that I've I've found interesting is that people uh, mostly seem to be assuming that the Green Goblin that showed up in number twelve is a clone that thinks he's Norman Osborn. And my question is, why can't he be Norman Osborn? <laughs> oh, you're 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 totally. You're, excuse my French. 
than the individual. You know, right? <laughs> as as a reader, as a guy that's been that's been extremely supportive of what you've been doing, you almost wish you could actually do do um, you know. Uh, do these in actual pages, not just as a script form. Because, oh yeah, God, I mean, you could, you could, you could play with so much. And holy crap, Emma Stone's going to play Gwen Stacy, really? Sorry, uh, Mary Jane, I think. No, it's confirmed. Emma Stone to play Gwen Stacy in Spider Man. They cast another redhead to play Gwen Stacy, really? Yeah. Well, actually, she's not technically a redhead. She dyes her hair red. Oh well, it looks good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unlike unlike Kirsten Dunst, who, whose red hair fluctuated between one, two, and three. Um, yeah. Well, the first one, she wore a uh, a wig that looked, you know, red. <laughs> she decided, I like this red thing. I'm going to dye it kind of orangey. Okay. Yeah. I'm very excited about about the, the next year of Crawl Space because you're bringing back Kane. Yes. Um, and I'm bringing him back in the freaking costume. <laughs> and there is a story reason for it. <laughs> Well, of course. Um, but you, you want to know something really unique, and this is something that that is that nobody ever talks about. What's that? The, the the fact that it's a containment suit was never ever ever brought up in the written page. It was brought up in an interview, and it became assumed. Now, I think it was also brought up in the letters page, and, and I think they used the actual phrase containment suit, but they never ever used it and used the phrase inside the actual issue. That it was a containment suit. Here I was thinking it was m- mentioned in Redemption. It may have, uh, and I'll have to reread it because I'm obviously I'm. It may have been mentioned in Redemption, but but uh, that was something that. Uh, well, you may very well be right. I may have just known it and been reading it into when I was reading Redemption. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I, it never really dawned on me. <laughs> but as I was reading, I've been going through and reading uh, Life of Riley again because number one, it's a great read. Um, and I was I was just wow I was completely shocked as uh, Glenn Greenberg was talking about that I guess I think he was talking about in Redemption I think is where, where it's at I'll have to I'll, I'll obviously reference it later but um, yeah I mean you're bringing back Kane you got this 18 year old Bay, uh, that May Parker we won't and, call it uh, can I give you a tease that'll uh, make you pants Sure. Iron Spider Girl. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Iron Spider Girl. Wow. Okay, so so to clarify the two teasers, <laughs> you're bringing back Carradine, Jessica Carradine, at least, mm-hmm. in some way. You're, Iron Spider Girl, uh, you are bringing back the containment suit. Yeah, and it, it, will, be, uh, it will be mentioned as such. What else can you bring back? Uh, you're, you're already bringing back Janine. Uh, yeah, although only to kill her off looks like. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a title. Uh, the title <laughs> says "Death of Janine." Uh, so you got all the all those. Desiree, are you going to bring back her? No, no, no. Well, no plans. I'm not going to say absolutely no, but no plans. I, okay. Ben Rowley's love life is going to be pretty uh, crazy already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring back. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned that he was, you know, hitting on. Carly, who's with Flash Thompson, and oh yeah, Flash I told twelve. Oh yeah, so so you got Carly Cooper, which is the only the only non casualty from from uh, brand brand new day continuity. Well, it depends on whether you consider Vin Gonzalez a casualty. Uh, he he he's in it, but he could definitely be considered a casualty. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you bring back Vin, you use Vin, 
and Carly and Vin, you know, promptly gets, you know, whacked. Uh, in story reasons, of course. And then you have Carly Cooper, which at the time when you started writing her was not Peter Parker's love interest, was just this blank slate that you could basically take what take her in a completely new direction, which you did, which now I am so annoyed by Carly Cooper I could scream. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. A lot of people have been uh, really responsive to my Carly Cooper. Um, I, I certainly love her. Uh, but I, I do get a little bit worried that people will start to not want to see her as much just because of the brand new day, Carly Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, if you don't want to see her as much, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's become your new pet character. Um, well, it's, it seems like I, I almost, uh, you know, get a new favorite character all the time, and, and the fans seem to go along with that. I mean, Toxin. <laughs> what you've done with Toxin fun. <laughs> uh, God, what you've done with Toxin Was just absolutely hilarious uh, Added some really comedic elements it just You've only had him in, what, two or three issues? Uh, uh, two uh, Yeah, two Two, okay, I two issues I to have a short scene with him in uh, Crawl Space number 12 But there was actually a lot of stuff That was cut from Crawl Space number 12 <laughs> maybe, a lot maybe of stuff. Uh, well, maybe you could do the uh, Crawl Space number twelve deleted scenes. Um, <laughs> well, I'll work the important stuff in later, but some of it just ended up getting condensed, which I always hate, and sometimes I feel like it doesn't get the point across as well. But um, yeah, you'll see more toxin later. Definitely, I've I've really grown to love him. And uh, the thing that uh, that I love about that is a lot of people have said, you know, how they'd never really read Toxin before, but they love him and. You know, Toxin is a character that's only ever been in two miniseries ever of all time, forever. You know, yeah. he's never appeared in a proper Spider-Man title in his life. Um, but I love the character. You know, that's the reason, obviously, I'm writing him. I didn't go in to revamp him or anything. I'm writing the character I love. So the fact that, you know, just as a fan doing what I'm doing, I was able to introduce a bunch of people to this kind of underappreciated character I love is just incredible to me. I love that. Yeah, and of course, I, uh, you know, Black Cat will be going different <laughs> directions. <laughs> well, yeah, I, considering what happened in number eleven, yeah. um, that was well, actually kind of a that was one of the toughest scenes I've ever written. It's it's weird, but you know, writing a scene as brutalizing a woman is kind of emotionally tough to write, yeah, and, and more so than I expected. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think it goes to, goes to a male's natural defenses. You don't want to see a woman get brutalized mm. like that, you know. And it, it's it's a really brutal scene, but it's it's handled tastefully and tactfully. I think you can probably feel sort of my feelings in Peter in that scene. Yeah, you know, if I did it right. Yeah, I, and again, you know, really, the emotions of it are going to you know come through. But it, if this was drawn, it would be even yeah. better. Oh, uh, I agree. There's 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 advantages and disadvantages of the format. I mean, the advantage is you know people get to use their imagination and uh, can imagine the scenes kind of drawn by whoever they want. And a lot of people say they imagine Mike Diodato drawing this or John Romita Jr. would be the top two things people say, which is interesting because those are the top two people I have pictured in my mind when I'm picturing these panels. <laughs> so I don't know if that comes across or if it's just that they are so perfect for this stuff. But, you know, I, if I was doing this as like a Spider-Man Forever series or something at Marvel, I probably wouldn't get a name that big. 
So it's kind of cool people can see this in their mind's eye as drawn by those guys. But on the other hand, yeah, I mean, all these, especially, I try to limit myself in fight scenes. I mean, I try to get some good fight scenes in there because it is a superhero action comic. But I try to limit the length of those action scenes because it's just not as interesting to read. So you need to keep them punchy. Yeah, and and that's something that um, I've struggled with with Crawl Space Avengers. Um, It's a difficult wire to walk. Yeah, and especially in the time, because I, I write in a prose script format that's unique to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very amalgam thing going on. It's unique to the format. Um, so the you know that you kind of had that walking that line. The best to describe it. It's difficult because I don't. I hate writing in prose. Um, <laughs> I can write a script all day, <laughs> uh, but. You kind of feel like you have to, so then you you know you go into this giant exposition and stuff like that. So it's one of those things where, as as a writer, I can I can see where it'd be difficult in just pure script form how how difficult it is to write because at that it's point, point too, you know you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean but, I mean I can I can sit there and imagine, um, in, for example, in Amazing Five Hundred with JMS. Okay, John, go to town. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's another thing is I can't, you know, just talk to my artist really when I'm writing a crawl space script. I I do a little bit of uh, you know kind of really directed at the audience, but you you know in places where I would just uh, kind of direct the artist to do what he feels like, or you know make a joke to the artist to, or describe it uh, in a funny way or something, or just describe the feel through a song or something like that. You know, you can't really do that with this. It has to be the uh, the panel descriptions are part of the story. It's part of the narrative. So yeah. it's it's really it's not exactly like writing a comic book script. You have to you have to realize it's its own thing, but at the same time, you're trying to make it as much of a comic book reading experience as possible. Yeah, and, and, and I mean anybody that's it's kind of like a movie script in, in some way because you do have the uh, some of the blocking that's actually if you've read movie scripts where. You do have the blocking in the in the scene settings and stuff like that, and what the characters are doing and describing it actually through the script. Yeah, I think that's one thing that draws writers to writing comic books is you basically get to be the writer and the director. Mm-hmm. You're directing the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Which is cool because you know a lot of times writers will have well anytime somebody a writer writes you have a picture in your head of how this looks and how it goes and then of course it gets filtered if you're doing a movie script or something it gets filtered through a director and sometimes. You know, it'll work out, and sometimes it's just completely not what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with action scenes on that, I find sometimes it's good to, uh, especially to write lines that are expressive. You know, a line that you read and you can see the facial expression on a person's face when they say that particular line. Uh, and that, 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 I think, helps people sort of visualize. Uh, like when, in number 12, Peter unmasks the Green Goblin. Yeah, you know, and sees his own face, <laughs> and then immediately pulls the mask back down, starts webbing it to his head, and <laughs> says, I'm "Like, okay, we'll just leave that on then." You know, you read that line, and you can kind of, you can you can hear Peter's expression, you can see his face, and I think that really helps you imagine that scene more than just uh, describing. I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's one of those things where it's difficult for 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 somebody to in your position because you're dealing with a licensed character and an unlicensed story and who knows and I, I mean, 
kind of side note, I found out even more of the limitations of that today. Uh, <laughs> my, I plan, I'm going to New York Comic Con this weekend, and I had planned to print out a bunch of copies and bind them of Crawl Space number 12. So kind of if I ran into any fans or anything, I could you know give them that sort of free thank you. Um, and also, if I ran into any professionals that uh, didn't work for Marvel, <laughs> might be able to take it. Um, mm. But I went to Kinko's to get this thing printed out because, you know, obviously I wanted the, the covers on some good cardstock and I wanted them to bind it and everything. And they put in the CD, pulled up the images and said, yeah, it's trademarked. We can't print that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, crap. I knew I was limited. I didn't know I was that limited. <laughs> How yeah. much am I going to charge for it? <laughs> Well, and yeah, it just depends on where you go sometimes, too. I, I can see their point, though. With oh, yeah. Um, I told the guy, you know, I, I work in banking. I completely understand a crap load of ridiculous laws and regulations you can't break. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, just kind of wrap this up a little bit because we've been, we've been going at it for a little over an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm um, enjoying myself. <laughs> I, yeah, we've been. I, this is this is. I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview, and this is the most informal interview you'll ever hear. Yeah, uh, and I gotta say, it's nice to talk to you on a podcast again after how many months has it been? I know. <laughs> uh, trust me, I know. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're yeah. keenly aware. Yeah, actually, there's been a there's a running joke between me and Bertoni that he's going to start a petition to get me back on the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you know you'll have well, maybe have a little more of an idea. I know you're doing the Jeff Johns podcast, which I figured I would pimp right quick. Uh, which is oh, yeah. tell us a little bit about that, right quick. It's your new uh, podcasting venture. It's uh, I hope it's fairly self-explanatory. It's the Jeff Johns podcast, and what I'm doing is uh, I'm reviewing Jeff Johns comics, and every month I'm going to review the new comics that he wrote that came out the month before uh, and I'm also going to review the comics he wrote cover dated for 11 years prior to that same month uh, because he started his career as a comic book writer in 1999 so I'm, I've done a couple episodes to catch up on the new stuff and I'll have one coming out soon that catches up on February to August of 99, and then we'll just roll with it in a full 11-year thing, and, you know, if I can do this for 11 years, we'll eventually catch up with all of it. Um, <laughs> right. You can, find that, uh, you can find that on iTunes and at jeffjohnscast.libson.com, uh, which I've got to thank my friend Alan Perez for, because he made that into a real-looking website, and I'm loving it. And uh, Brandon DP, B-Dog we were talking about, made a banner for the top of it that really brought the whole thing together uh so it's, it's something i can kind of be proud of now i'm enjoying that well and I, it's kind of funny because th- what is it we've been doing the show for four years okay of crawl space crawl space four, yeah four years ago did you even imagine that we would not only be doing this show together but you would be doing your own podcast four years ago i barely knew what a podcast was and i was sitting uh, in my bedroom at my dad's house, talking to you guys on my dad's house phone. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Crawl Space Podcast. Yeah, if you listen so. to the, if you listen to the those very very early early on, and just don't really. <laughs> uh, oh God, yeah. The ver- like the first five episodes, we were still trying to figure out what to do, uh, mainly because it was kind of because uh, we were you and I were so soft because I was on a cell phone. Yeah, you're on a landline. Brad's having the sound come in through the speakers instead of wearing your headphones. He's where he's talking on his on the mic. So we had, I mean, we have no idea what we're doing. Here. It was okay. a work in progress. 
And I tried to go back and listen to like that first episode just to see what it was like not too long ago. And you know, I'm listening on my headphones on my iPhone, and it's just like every time a speaker changes, oh god, blasting in my ear when the <laughs> when the thing gets amplified, and then it has to go down. So I'm turning my mic up, and oh, it gets yeah. amplified again. <laughs> I can't hear. Yeah, you know, and, and as as much as look, I, I love. I love you guys, but that those are very hard. Because I, what Tony and I were doing, we're actually going to be doing a um, a big giant event where uh, we were talking about how we were going to do the first hundred episodes, do like a review show, <laughs> and that was our kind of our thing that we were trying to do as a little bit of a love letter to it. And we were, I was going through and I was listening to these episodes and we're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I love you guys and I love Brad Douglas like a brother and will never disparage him. But, you know, those, those first couple episodes are bad. You know, I had... He he yeah, oh, yeah, and he, he's like, oh, yeah, those are sh-. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we were figuring out what the hell a podcast was at the time, really. And, and, and I think we figured it out pretty damn well, I gotta say. Oh, oh yeah, I mean... Now that that the show has just exploded, and um, what three spinoffs? <laughs> you've got well, you got me. Well, I we, well, let's go even further. You've got me, you, uh, Stella. Stella, Bailey was brought in, but he, now he's he's part of the podcasting network. You have uh, uh, Bertoni, who was a podcaster even before that, but now he's been brought in. Donovan Morgan Grant's doing the uh, spectacular web show. These two guys are you know they. Donovan's been on the show and Colin shows, but Tony's actually been on the show as a panelist for the Spire Jeopardy. You've got T.S. Champ, who's a message board poster, who's done like 50 bazillion podcasts <laughs> all under the banner of BTP Percents. Yeah. Uh, over a wide range of top- topics, not just comic You've got uh, Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Exactly. Front page. Uh, that's that's powered by Spider-Man Crawl Space now. So there's, there's at least 10 podcasts that are networked together that you know, and of course, Michael Bailey has his entire network that he has. Yeah, right. Michael Bailey is a podcasting network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny because you know we for a while there we were Brad was try, trying to find the fill in the fourth seat, and then the fourth seat turned into the fifth seat, and then the sixth, and then the fifth seat turned into the sixth seat. Well, because you know, one of those funny behind the scenes stories that Bailey got hired in because I was going to leave. And, yeah, and then I decided I, I couldn't because I, I was going to drop the titles, and I decided I couldn't leave the podcast even if it meant reading. And uh, but Brad had already offered Bailey. He was like, "Well, I'm not going to withdraw the offer, so we just added another member." Yeah, and I think you know, of course, Bailey brings in a little bit of a historian aspect to it too. Everybody uh, has their own their own personality and their own thing, and the kind mm-hmm. you know, half of them had their own era, so. It's it's a really good mix, and I think we, I think it's a it, it's good that it's a big cast because we have run into so many problems with not being able to schedule everybody at once, which you know has been mostly you for the past few months. But it's not just you. <laughs> no, it hasn't been just and me. We've but all it, missed podcasts, um, and I think it's I think it's a, a real testament to the cast that you know we can be down a person or two people, or at one time I think it was even down three people. And, yeah, you know, still put out a I think an entertaining podcast. Mm-hmm. I think there was one episode that was just me, Brad, and Stella. <laughs> yeah, I think it was because I think was, uh, Jr. had to leave or something like that. I wasn't there. Yeah, yeah I, I'll tell you right now, I'm probably the biggest culprit of not being on the show. Uh, Which you know, we'd like to rag on you and everything, but it is sadly because of your job. We know you'd love to be there. 
Oh God, yeah. Um, which I mean, I'd hate like to be in your position right now. You know, I'd be I'd be going crazy not being able to be on so many podcasts, especially you know the entire omit block. Oh God, yeah. I mean, when Brad asked me because he got on Skype one day. Um, and he's like, so what did you think of Omit Part 4? And I'm like, dude, really? You want to get me started on this? And I just <laughs> went off on a tear. Um, I said, I said, we might as well record Because, <laughs> uh, oh, God. This will be the Zach Rants segment. <laughs> and this next part, Zach uh, just completely ranting. Uh, <laughs> a rant jingle to go in there. <laughs> right. It'll be fun. Oh, oh well, I mean, I mean, at least you got to hear me on, 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 on uh, Grim Hunt. Yeah. When I... When I came back for Grim Hunt and completely, not only ripped, just, oh, God, ripped that up thing up sideways and upside down. Um, <laughs> which you're like, what's not, brother? You can't have a story that includes Kane without having you comment on it. You can't. Hey, yeah. So uh, whenever the hell, if they ever pick up this new tarantula thread, I don't care what you got to do to get out of work. You're going to be on that damn podcast. Which, now, well, and, and um, oh, God, it's just one of those things where you... you you, you know, you love. The, I love doing what I do with with my job, but at the same time, I'm the one I, because I do my job because I do my job so well. Um, oh yeah, it's it, it's it's a bane to succeed visibly. Yeah, <laughs> because people will expect that from you all the time, and then more and more. Yeah, exactly. I found this out in my own working life. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, like I say, it's you know, I, I love doing this show because. You know, we are. Although it's been seems like it's been forever since we've got everybody on. Tis in reality, it has. But and really, though, if you want to talk about it, this is kind of a mini crawl space podcast here. I mean, me and you true. talking that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's true. Like, that's the smallest crawl space podcast cast of all time. Yeah, and, and and one of the things when when you said you'll want to interview me later on in the year <laughs> of crawl space, I never imagined you actually. One having the balls to bring back Ben Riley because um, <laughs> uh, I was just like you know rubbing my hands together saying that like really dude you're gonna want to talk to me and I you know I am am you know maybe we'll have you on for an episode or two where you know we're talking about a good story like Redemption or something like that um, but I really number one I really do appreciate you coming on it's been a blast talking to you it always is a blast talking to you Kevin I, you and I. <laughs> crap you're my brother from another mother um, <laughs> my uh, clone cousin if you will <laughs> there you go clone cousin so anyway guys just kind of minor programming note we'll uh we'll be doing you know a epic epic crossover with um teenage wasteland and ultimate spider-man podcast which has been chronicling all the way from issue one through issue 96 trying to remember the issue with Ultimate Clone Saga. Um, and we're going to be we're going to be teaming up with those guys over there from Teenage Wasteland, Zach Henderson and J- uh, John M. Wilson. A name that particular name you might remember from uh, Amazing Spider-Man Classics. So it's kind of a Amazing Spider-Man Classics, Teenage Wasteland, Spidey.com, Spider-Man Crawl Space. Yeah, whole big giant love fest of Your big uh, incestuous Texas family. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Right. You could have just as easily plugged Kentucky in there, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll insult my my employers. Uh, we'll say Arkansas family. Uh, <laughs> That'll work. Hell, Bill Clinton's from there. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, well, Slick Willie, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but, but I just want to say to the iTunes reviewers, there are no political aspersions being cast here. <laughs> it's just oh, a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... 
Bill Clinton's an easy joke. Um, Bill Clinton makes fun of Bill Clinton, I think, um, for the most part. Yeah, but, I mean, hell, is if he's not doing a bit, then <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be doing that. Um, and I've mentioned this in the show. We're going to be doing Obviously, you've probably, hopefully, you already heard side B of uh, Maximum Clone. And, of course, we're going to be doing those two miniseries. Then we'll pick up with Exiled and roll up through the that Grave's Responsibility and Time Bomb are going to be one giant episode. We're just adding an extra issue, essentially. One uh, big mess of suck. <laughs> well, Grave's Responsibility wasn't that bad. Yeah, but not that bad in that family. Is <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, and then, of course, and I, I, I told everybody this, and everybody's like, oh, man, we're really uh, we're only doing one episode of the, of the Scarlet Spider titles. Only one. Oh, you're all gonna die. <laughs> we're only doing. Damn it, we're only that, doing. That will be the final episode of the Clone Saga Chronicles <laughs> after everybody on the podcast just breaks down from you know mental exhaustion. Yeah, um, and then of course we're going to be doing the epic. And if that doesn't break us, then the Colin show will will break us because any Colin show I've ever been involved in has been rocky to say the least. <laughs> but um, you get good bloopers. Oh God, yes, and 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 we will, you know, of course, we'll have the bloopers at the end of the show with uh, Bulk and Skull. Uh, I swear to God that every time I love listening to the Clone Saga Chronicles, but every time I finish, that damn music is in my head for at least an hour or two. <laughs> Curse you! <laughs> well, it's it's better than uh, God the the oh oh it's magic song, which started off as a joke, and then Bertoni ran with it. I'm like, dude, no, uh, let's let's get some cool music. <laughs> say, are we ever going to switch from Dashboard Confessional? Because I feel I like I need to spread my mascara whenever I hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, can see, I can see the point of, of it being kind of depressing. Of course, it is the Clone Saga. Um, so, wee bit emo. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the like, really terrifying thing, though, is I'm starting to like it. And, and that worries me. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, the, the you know, I didn't, I only told him, I said, all, all I want, though, is the riff. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then he, you know, we have the ending that we have, which is great. And I'm sure it's playing over as we're talking right now. So, yeah. uh, I tell you what, okay. if you want a great song from a Spider Man movie soundtrack, get you some Learn to Crawl by Black Lab. That's some awesome. That you is know, not in any way emo. There you go. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, yeah. Mr. Cushing. And- that is my official suggestion <laughs> as the guest of this episode. <laughs> we'll make that well, the request. Go. Well, you know what? We might actually we might actually make that request, um, just for you, Kevin. Okay, <laughs> just for this episode, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, who knows? It may it may still. We thought the oh, it was magic was only going to be on one episode, and then we just ran with it. Um, Before we let the guys uh, go and go about their listening to other podcasts business, uh, I do just want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, I know it was my suggestion, <laughs> which is funny, but uh, you know I really appreciate. This is kind of. Uh, my first time being sort of interviewed as a writer on a podcast, uh, and that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, if you didn't do good work, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have uh, been like, "Yeah, we definitely need to do this." Well, uh, and great, you know, you have been uh, the biggest supporter of the series uh, of Crawl Space the whole time, and you know, I really just can't tell you how much I appreciate that and I'm, I'm so thankful that you like what's going on with Ben Rowley and all the clone stuff because I feel like if you didn't like it I'd have failed <laughs> <laughs> well that first of all that's the that's a huge compliment from from some and you, yeah, I'm not gonna lie when I read the read the, read the dedication in the in the beginning of the uh, issue number 12 
I got a little misty eyed. I'm sitting there in the break room at my at my place of employment. Everybody's like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Nothing. Shut up." <laughs> and it's uh, all true. Well, and 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 you know, go read it for yourself. It's it's really really sweet and and, and touching. Um, in a totally hetero way. In a totally hetero way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those of you that want to email me or, or Kevin or whatever, you can always contact us through the message board where you can find the spider.com section and the Spider-Man Crawl Space section. Which you can also find by typing in crawlspacecomic.com. There you go. And, and then, of course, you can leave us the email, clonesagachronicles at gmail.com. If you have a message for Kevin that you just want to send to me my way, I will forward it to Kevin, of course. Yeah, we know uh, each other in real life, folks. I know, right? Uh, really. <laughs> we never met, but, well, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we were texting uh, earlier. It was crazy. It was. <laughs> we actually had a phone call to each other. It was weird. Um, <laughs> and now we're sounding less and less hetero. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, leave us emails, uh, voicemails. You know the voicemail number by now, hopefully. I, I Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is it 188-CALL-CLONE-SAGA? Dude, if I could mark that, I would. That would um, be awesome. But... Yeah, and you can always leave us iTunes reviews on iTunes. Um, we do always, always do appreciate any comments or compliments and stuff like that. We do appreciate, and Bertoni, hopefully, knock on wood, um, we'll be back for the next episode. And uh, <laughs> After we do having appreci- to edit like three or four that he wasn't in. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, he's the one that said he wanted to edit it, so okay. Kevin, great, great job uh, having you on, and uh, thank you so, so much for, for taking time out of your night. I know it's you can laugh, you can feel fine, you can dance with a little twist. Tell your pretty redhead, baby, forget that I exist. Can you see yourself in my bed at night? Would you leave me at the side of the road? Would you walk right up to me? Would you talk to me? I, this is really, you know, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, so it's it's actually a thrill for me to be on here. Well, there you go. And, and like I say, you know, I might squeeze you in for redemption. We can yeah, top. I'd love it. Let me know. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, I think we're going to cover that right before Revelations. Um, uh, if I don't have to reread comics... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, you, you referenced it in the episode, but we, you know, we're going to be doing some, and I'm sure, <clears throat> Bertoni, you can cut us off here. <laughs> but, uh, and, and Q learned to crawl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but literally, oh man, he's going to bleep that whole thing, isn't he? What? I, I, I just, I just realized that this episode is, is going to be very bleeped. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Although a couple got through with uh, maximum clonage. Yeah, for Tony, if you're still listening and you've just gone through hours and hours of bleeping, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when you said the first time, I was like... <laughs> um, I completely forgot. It's just me and you talking and worse yeah. than profane motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> me being the worst. Um, 